My guest today is a talented musician who's played with everyone from Frank Zappa and Steve Vai to Joe Satriani. He has a new album out called Scambot 2. I'm pleased to welcome Mike Keneally. Nice to uh, meet you, man. Thanks for uh, having a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Let me see. You got a lot going on. Uh, we'll start a little backwards or we'll get to the album too. But are you sort of on a, a little bit of a break now? I know you're, you were touring a lot with Cetriani and, and on the road for a while. Uh, are you on downtime right now? Mm, not really because I have a couple of uh, video shoots this month. Uh, like I'm, I'm doing one next week up in San Francisco for EMG pickups. And then later in the month I'm doing another one for... Pigtronics uh, guitar pedals, and it's uh, it, instead of just like rolling into the studio and doing whatever, I'm, I've I've had to prepare a lot of stuff. Like for for the EMG thing next week, they asked for me to play along with uh, with four songs from Scambot Two, the new record, okay. and that 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 necessitated going back into the studio to do new mixes for that stuff. And also, I'm having to practice songs that I haven't actually ever played live before. Right. So, so it's it's even though it's just like standing in a, a video studio and recording four songs, I'm I'm having to prepare for it almost like more than than I would for a gig, you know. Right. And then and then uh, I do have like a week off after that. I'm I'm going to Arizona to visit my my family, so I I get a little uh, sort of like time off. <laughs> then. Uh, but then I come back and I have to do this other video for uh, for Pigtronics, which involves a lot of technological stuff that I have to deal with. So it's it's even though I'm not on the road or doing anything particularly high profile right now, I'm I'm pretty much just as busy as ever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I uh, I saw you guys with uh, with I mean you and Cetriani and the guys uh, you know a few months ago down here in Florida, and the show was amazing. And actually, that was the, the second in a couple of years that I saw, and you were you were there for with him for both. Has that been sort of the main touring thing you've done in, in the last few years? Has it been with Satch and, and Brian and Marco? Yeah. Uh, well, when I joined the band in, in 2010, there was there was a, a different uh, there were different bass player and drummer in in the group, and we toured for three years with with that configuration. And then Joe uh, said that he wanted to to you know do a big shakeup in the band and get some get some new blood in there. And he asked me if if I had any bass players and drummers I could recommend. And I said, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, and I. I we all thought, well, this is you know kind of a an interesting new direction for for Joe to take with with the band. Hopefully, he'll be into it. And it you know it turns out that he's he's loved it. You know, having Brian and Marco in the band, and it's great for me because obviously I know those guys real well, and we're we're all real, we have a lot of history together, and we're right. super comfortable. Uh, so it's been, and then yeah, as as it's turned out, Joe has been just like a machine. It's it's been very reliable. Every two years, we go in the studio to make a record, and then we spend a lot of the next two years. You know, traveling around playing the song. So it's it for the last six years. Satriani has absolutely been the, you know, the the primary touring thing. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of uh, myself noticed the the renewed energy in the shows. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I mean, I had seen Satch ten times, and you know, okay, for you know, for the years, and. Uh, then he didn't come to Florida, I think, for a while. Man, I missed a show or something. Then I caught the couple with you guys, and it was—I knew it was the new band, new new guys, and uh, knew who you were, of course. And it was like, wow, this is this is different. This is nice. It, it, it was really great. The shows were awesome. That's great to hear, especially from somebody who's a longtime fan. Yeah, and that, and that, and that's been uh, seems to be uh, you know really kind of overwhelmingly the response from the hardcore Satriani fans is that they 
they can sense that there's a new energy and that and that they really enjoy it. And then Joe has certainly, you know, been he seems real invigorated by the whole the whole thing. So it's it's been great. It's and plus he's you know, he's a really cool guy to work for and with and uh, and his whole organization is is really solid. So it's been a very uh, it's it's been an, an unexpected thing. You know, when he when when it came up, when he just like called me out of the blue and said, "Hey, I'd like to try this." Uh, and initially, I was just playing the keyboards. The first three years I was in the band, I wasn't even touching a guitar. Uh, but uh, you know, then he said, "Hey, we we should get you on guitar for some stuff," and that's when it really started to get fun. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah. You know, you've played with everybody. Yeah, Steve Isach, <laughs> and the list goes on and on. Zappa, whoever. Uh, you know, what's it like to always have such high caliber musicians on everything you do from every instrument, drummers and, and so on? I mean, you're always surrounded by top level guys and you yourself are a virtuoso. So, I mean, how is how does that work with with all the projects you do? And what's that what's that like? Well, I guess I'm kind of spoiled because I, I, at, at, at this point, I, 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 I sort of accept it as, as the just the base <laughs> reality for, for my musical life. And and it's I kind of got. I mean, obviously, playing with with Zappa, you know, gave me a real a real taste for that. But you know, even pre Zappa, when I was playing with with in San Diego with my brother and whatever other musicians we could we could talk into playing my weird music, you know, I, I, I've always like gravitated towards musicians who who can really uh, you know do are, are versatile. You know, I don't I don't require I don't require like. Uh, you know, nonstop virtuosity. In fact, that can get a little tiring. But, but I'm I'm always interested in in musicians who aren't predictable every time that they 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 pick up their instrument and at, at you know a a kind of a wide range of of techniques and and even just like awareness of of different kinds of music is sort of required uh, for that. And then uh, I got really spoiled. You know, a few years after the Zappa experience, but, but before I got in with Steve Vai and everything, when I started making solo records, my first solo record was was 1992, and I got a couple of guys in the band, Doug Lunn and on bass and Toss Panos on drums, and it was it was hearing those guys play my music that that really made me realize, boy, not only is it like a, a valuable thing for the music to get guys who can really really play. It, it's also super inspiring and and uh, you know it 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 keeps me on my game you know yeah. to have guys in, to have guys in the band who are just as good as I am or better and and at the time in the early 90s when I when I got these guys in the band and they just like were they were far more versed in in jazz uh, history and techniques than I was and, and uh, you know they were just incredibly freewheeling uh, you know masters of their of their instruments and and to to have guys like that in my own band keeping me on my toes is is extremely valuable so i've always wanted to have in my own bands people i like i never wanted to be the most the most uh, talented guy in my own group you know right. <laughs> it's 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 important to have people around that that keep me challenged so it's a uh, it's it's been a blessing you know it's yeah. been fantastic you know, I wonder when you were doing your solo records in the '90s. That was the peak sort of grunge era, and uh, you know, people fawning over uh, guys who didn't really play many notes, I guess, to put it mildly. And I'm wondering, was that something that ever, as a as a musician, you went, well, "I don't understand that," or 
you can look at it and go, okay, I get that for what it is. Well, uh, like like all forms of popular music, there's there's going to be some stuff that's really good that rises to the top, and then there's going to be other stuff that doesn't seem so good. And at the time, you know, because I was I was in Dweezil Zappa's band in the early '90s, and we were doing a lot of gigging and stuff, and we were kind of, you know, I knew that our singer Amit and uh, was really influenced by like Elaine Staley from uh, from Alice in Chains and, and 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 stuff, and I was listening to the radio and and. And some of it was to me just like excellent songwriting, like right. uh, you know Nirvana. To me, those are amazing songs, uh, and that's that's why that stuff is kind of like revered as as that as the top of that style of music. But at the same time, I was hearing a lot of other stuff that fell under the uh, the grunge umbrella that just sounded to me like really cheap Nirvana knockoffs, you know. So to to me, there there was no. Uh, there was no comparison between the really quality stuff and the imitators, right. and and it, it it's it's the same way. It was the same way with the Beatles. You know, there was only one Beatles, and then there were a bunch of other bands that tried to sound like them. It's always going to be that case whenever something gets hugely popular. But you know, I was making a lot of records in the in the '90s that actually had some. Like my second record, uh, "Boil That Dustbeck," has has some some pretty grungy sounding stuff and certainly influenced by certain aspects and there's even a song about Kurt Cobain and and Courtney Love on that record but you know it's all filtered through all the other stuff I'm interested in and I and and I definitely you know I used sort of like the sonic signifiers of some of that kind of music but then I would I would run it through the sort of chord progressions that I like and you know right. weird ass rhythmic changes that that I, I seem to be addicted to um <laughs> And uh, you know, it's the best of it is 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 always going to be valuable for for one reason or another of of any style of music. So I, it wasn't like I was standing around the '90s going, "I'm super offended by this genre." Yeah, and I don't well, know that's what to I do wonder now. if if if, so, if if a guy who's really excellent at his instruments and musician and and is surrounded by all these high level guys, if you know, if you can also look at a three chord rock thing and, and go, okay, I get that. That's still pretty good. And, and that's good. It, you know, that's, it has merits too. I'm just wondering how someone like you thinks. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the first music I ever loved was the Beatles and, you know, they, they, they tended to use more than three chords, but it wasn't like they were trying to knock anybody out with their technique. They were just trying to write right. good songs, you know? And, and it always comes down to that really is the song any good. And uh, and you can definitely write a good song with three chords, and you can also write a really bad song with three chords. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, speaking of uh, you know albums and songs, your new album Scambot Two, uh, I think is out today, September 9th, right? Um, yeah, that, uh, it's the uh, it, it it goes to wide release today, which means that it's available through the, the, you know more of the usual right, Amazon vendors. and iTunes and, and all mm -hmm. that. Uh, it's it's a sequel to uh, the, the first Scambot album, which was seven years ago. So, how long was Part Two floating around in your head, and and what made you get to it and release it now? Well, it's it's been floating around ever since the first album or, or before, because uh, you know I I was creating in at the time that I was working on Scambot One, I was I was I was making a lot more music than than I needed for that album. So some of the music that ended up. On on the new record and particularly on the the, the second record, Inkling, um, is stuff that was that was in the works back then. But it's it's even through the other records that I've made since Scambot One, uh, like 
Wing Be Fantastic with Andy Partridge and You Must Be the Saul and and uh, you know various live records and stuff. Scambot Two is is always been floating around in, in the in the background and it was just like a, maybe two three years ago that it became you know front and center the the top priority. It's time to get this thing finished. But I was happy to take a long break since the first Scambot One record because if I had done Scambot Two any sooner, it might have been more of a you know, uh, like a, a a faded copy of the first one, right, <laughs> and yeah. I and I I really wanted this album to have a, a very distinct personality from the first one, and it and it really does. Um, and, and plus, I just you know allowed myself time to to just make sure that this this album uh, was everything that I wanted it to be in terms of the way it sounded and uh, the flow of the music. And everything it was it was it was a, a very it's, it was very important to me and and sort of to me sort of a crucial record in my career to to, to really get it right and uh, and it also helped to to wait a while because I, I wanted there's going to eventually be three volumes of, of Scambot and and I I want there to be a narrative uh, arc over the three where things gradually become less cluttered and uh and maybe just like more focused on the essence of something and whereas scambot one i think was is a, is a pretty darn abstract record i think scambot two is is a little more clear in its uh in its you know melodic content and and the song forms that I, I think it's a more approachable record and i and i and even as you listen to scambot two uh over the course of the album it becomes like more opened up and clear even as the album goes. It starts with the within the trees, which is the most dense and intricate and crazy thing on the record, and then as you go through the album, Scambot Two, it just it becomes like there's more oxygen being let into the room and a little more air in the arrangements and you know just more room to breathe. Uh, and then whenever Scambot Three comes out, you know years from now probably. I I expected to go even more in that direction where it, it just like cl- clearing out clutter basically. Okay. Um, uh, so that's that's the that's the the overriding sonic sort of concept behind behind Scambot. Yeah, um, I mean the the new one has it covers the gamut of genres and styles and and ex- experimenting, especially like you're saying early on in the in the first half of the album, and it's it's it it's quite the adventurous record. I absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering what is the writing and recording process uh, for something like this? Where where does an album like this start, and is it all you writing it down, and 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 then how do you get some of the other guys involved? What's, what how does it work for you? It's very very little is written down in terms of uh, in terms of like manuscript, ex- unless there's uh, something that a guy specifically requests, because generally I'll do demo versions of, of say the, the bass and drum parts I'll, I'll play them myself uh usually not with real drums usually with with uh, like a, a drum patch on a keyboard but i'll rather than programming the drums which is tedious for me i'll actually you know sit there bar by bar and and play the drum part on a keyboard right. uh, uh you know it's I've, I've gotten pretty good at, at working the, the the kick drum with my little finger of my left hand and the and the snare with the index finger of my left hand and the hi-hat with the index finger of my right hand and then you kind of just do a, a really basic uh drum part that way uh 
but usually, I mean, yeah, the, the, the writing is, is all me and a lot of it is, will be a, a, a melody or something that I captured on my phone. Like maybe I'm just traveling through my day doing whatever and, and a melody will show up in my head and I'll sing it into my phone. And then later on when I get into the studio with uh, Mike Harris, who was the engineer on this album and just about all my albums for the past many years, so we have a good working rhythm, uh, I'll say, hey, I, 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 I want to start a new song. Let me call up this, this, uh, this voice memo on my phone and I'll get this little snippet of melody and I'll say, okay, this is going to be the starting point for, for a new song. And then I'll record that and then which just my songwriting process is always what do I want to hear you know because uh, I'm I'm always trying to uh, somehow generate music that is something I've never heard before that's that's what excites me and motivates me to keep making songs so uh, even within a song it's like I, if I get a little melody down a little snippet I'll listen to that and say okay what do I most want to hear follow that and uh, you know, to me, the the metaphor that I use is, uh, say, I'm at home and I'm putting on a record that I've just opened up this record. I've never heard it before, and I'm really excited about it. And I put the needle on the on the top of the of the, of the beginning of the album, and something comes out of the speakers. What is it? What do I what do I feel like hearing? And that's what I try to write. You know, uh, and and so the, just about every song on the album is. Uh, you know, starts from some really modest source material, some melody that I that I sang into my phone, or or maybe just something that uh, falls out of my fingers uh, in almost like a reflex action. But it's a sequence of notes that excites me in some way, and that I feel like like uh, you know delving into further. And I'll capture that little piece of initial inspiration, and then just try to build on it and build on it and build on it in a way that doesn't that doesn't betray the initial inspiration, but, but hopefully lets it flourish and find some, some kind of ultimate, uh, expression, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you wrote so much that you had enough for a, a second, like companion album. Is that inkling? Is that, that's what yeah. the, the process behind that one. So, yeah. I mean, how much do you write when you're, when you're putting together an album? Um, I guess a lot, <laughs> you know, probably, <laughs> probably more than I need, be, be, because what I'm what I'm doing is uh, is is creating a lot of material, and and what I'm what I'm looking for is okay within this this pool of material that I have, what you know, what congeals, what what wants to, what wants to to sit next to one another in order to really be what what I consider to be a, a, an album, something that feels like an album, a body of, of music that belongs together. So, you know, I I just kept making music and more music be, because I, I kept thinking, well, I don't have this kind of song when I need this sort of a song. <laughs> and I, I, a lot of it, too, the, of the process is, is I, I want something that feels like this, you know. And sometimes it might be something that is... Uh, you know, does is is a call back to an, an earlier time or another band. Like there's a song on Scambot 2 called uh, "Freezer Burn," and uh, and all I knew about it is I want a song that is uh, is you know ha has a, a kind of a wide open groove to it, a lot of space, and the beginning of it. I know that I want it to start with these sustained organ chords that kind of sound like Richard Wright. You know, something a little bit early Pink Floydish. Uh, and so th that is just like, okay, 
Mike Harris, Mr. Engineer, uh, we're just going to record some organ chords, you know. So I, I, I wrote the chords that, that start the beginning of a freezer burn and then, you know, sit back and listen to it and, and figure out what comes next. And so that's just a, an instinct. It's all instinct. It's all just running on instinct. I think the album needs this kind of song. I think the album's going to need this kind of song. But at that point, I didn't know what order the songs were going to go in. And I didn't know, you know, and I'm and I'm like spinning out songs like crazy. And at at a certain point, I, I add them up and I go, holy cow, I've got two hours worth of stuff here. And I didn't even realize it. You know? So at that point, OK, is it is it going to be am I going to try to make a two CD Scambot 2, something that like has the whole concept that runs starts at the beginning of disc one and ends at the beginning of disc two and that felt a little excessive and I, I decided that i wanted to have the scambot 2 narrative concept just be contained on on one cd but at that point i had you know an album's worth of additional material left over so you know i i put that together and, and worked you know for a long time trying to get a, a proper order together so that it wouldn't just sound like these are outtakes from Scambot 2, but I wanted it to sound like this is an album that that you know has a, a right to exist in its own right. Right. And uh, and so there was stuff that I I took out of, of Inkling as well. There's an, an you know an additional half hour of music that was <laughs> that was created that's not on either of these albums. Um, so it wasn't just like put it all out there. It's still like let's find the stuff that that seems to live and breathe comfortably next to each other. So that I ended up with two albums that I'm, I'm really happy with and that I think. You know, exist separately as as complete statements. Does some of that stem from your time working with Zappa, or learning uh, how to mesh a hundred different styles, or you know, experiment? Does any of that come from your time with with working with him? I think so much of what I do probably comes from not just the time working with him, but but the time spent listening to him when I was growing up. You know, I was I was always really. Uh, just I guess enchanted is the best way to put put it with with uh, not just his work ethic because obviously he put out an amazing amount of material and and as a fan I was delighted every time he put out a new record but there was always the you know the excitement of what's this album going to be you know they 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 were they were always were seemed so different um, and so I I appreciated the fact that he was that he had an interest in working in so many different styles and that he was so adept and, and you know, like, okay, this is going to be uh, a, a symphonic piece, but now this is going to be a real straight ahead rocker. And now this is going to be like a, a, a chamber piece, but for a rock band rather than a, a small chamber ensemble, you know, it, it, it's like, you just, he, and then, you know, and then he would do a country song or, you know, or he might do something that was like really, really beautiful, but, but, put some insane title on it that, that you would right. never guess that it was going to be such a pretty song, you know? And, and so I was, I'm just, you know, just the, the act of composition is fascinating to me because I, I have no idea how much of it is, is something that you're, you're kind of receiving from some, some other source and how much of it actually generates inside your own head. You know, when I get into all of this, this composition and arranging and recording and stuff, I have a hard time believing that it's all just, coming from inside me you know I, I definitely get the feeling like i'm just sort of like grabbing information as it floats near me right uh uh so so i uh you know i'm i feel really uh fortunate that i'm that i'm i because it's something that i love to do you know and it's so much fun to do and uh and 
every time I, I manage to, you know, contain these, these impulses and, and these obsessions and end up with a finished album that I'm, that I'm happy with and that other people enjoy, you know, that, that's, that's the real, the real excitement of it is when, you know, it gets all said and done, somebody else hears it and, and they feel what I was, you know, going for and they, they feel the same things I felt when I was trying to, to make it, uh, that's you know the most satisfying thing. That's awesome. Uh, you and, have... and, and I think honestly, when to get back to your actual question, I think it, <laughs> it, it has almost everything to do with Zappa. You know, I I was inspired by him in so many ways. Uh, you know, and you know specifically the work ethic and also just the breadth of of stylistic diversity. It's uh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have the album coming out today, uh, and then you have uh, your tour, I guess, is the next thing after you finish all your videos. Uh, it kicks off at Progtoberfest, um, yeah. October 21st, and runs through November. And then what's uh, what's next year? What, what do you got planned? What's on the horizon? Um, I got more Satriani. We, we're, we're doing uh, Asia and Australia and New Zealand in the early part of the year. And then in the summer, I'm going to be going uh, back to Europe with a trio that I that I did some shows with uh, earlier this year, uh, a bass player from Finland and a drummer from Germany playing my stuff. Uh, and it's interesting. It's, it's a band that I played with in the early 2000s and really, really enjoyed playing with these guys. Uh, the bass player's name is Jan Vessman, J-A-A-N-W-E-S-S-M-A-N. And the drummer's name is Schroeder, S C H R O E D E R, and um, so uh, I hadn't played with them for like twelve years. And then last year, I, I or earlier this year, I got the opportunity to do a couple of weeks of dates in Germany. So I reconvened that band that I played with twelve years ago, and we had such a fantastic time. And people really enjoyed this group. So uh, I'm I'm very intrigued to do more playing with those guys and uh right now we're trying to, we've been calling them mike canelian friends but i'm kind of tired of that name so we're we're casting about for another uh, another name for the band and we're right now we're we have the name the mike keneally report <laughs> <laughs> which, well, which, <laughs> we like the report as a tag that works okay <laughs> um, and uh so uh, I'll be doing more playing with those guys, but then I also want to do more playing with, with Beer for Dolphins. With, like the, the tour that I'm doing in October is going to be with Brian Beller and, and Joe Travers. Uh, Joe Travers uh, is uh, the, the guy that, I, that introduced me to Brian Beller back in the early 90s when we were all in, in Dweezil's band. And, uh, and of course, Joe is also the vaultmeister for the Zappas. So he's, he's you know the guy who goes into the old tapes and exhumes things for uh, for new release and brian of course has got the aristocrats and then we also have uh joe satriani so finding time to do beer for dolphins is is challenging um but i i you know i, I really it's uh, to me it's important to stay connected with these musicians that i've been playing with for, for so many years and i'm excited about the tour in october because i've never brought just the trio version of beer for dolphins this particular trio version with with Brian and Joe, which you know we we've been playing for over over well over twenty years, the three of us, and uh, and there's a real chemistry between us, something that happens when it's just the three of us on stage, and that I've never brought that to the East Coast or to Chicago or North Carolina or these places that we're playing. So so it's uh, I'm I'm 
super super jazzed about this tour in october and uh and i'd like to do more of that as as much as possible next year and then i got i got this other band that that we've been getting getting together whenever we can throughout throughout the year that i formed with uh with chris myers who's the drummer from umphreys mcgee and uh and pete griffin the bass player who used to be in zappa play zappa and they're they're both on quite a bit of scambot too and then a vocalist named Ben Thomas, who was used to be in Zappa plays Zappa, and and a keyboardist named Jonathan Sindelman, who was was very uh, he was very prominently featured at the tribute to Keith Emerson uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, so we've been getting together since January, um, just writing songs together. And I've never been in a band where everybody wrote songs collectively. I'm always either the the band leader writing everything, or I'm a sideman writing nothing. So this this is actually the first time that I've been in a collective band situation where everybody's contributing to the songwriting, and that's very exciting. Uh, so right now we're just like focusing on on creating a repertoire for for playing live. We're not thinking about an album just yet. Mm-hmm. We just we we're just like slowly because everybody's so so you know Umphreys McGee is on the is on tour constantly so 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 right. Chris Myers is only available on occasion but whenever we you know we're all in the same place at the same time we, we get together and try to just advance our our repertoire and uh, so hopefully we'll have our you know repertoire together by sometime next year and we can actually start doing gigs and so there's and then at some point, I know Safarani's going to want to do another record, and and you know the challenge is making time for all of it. But I'm very grateful to be busy. <laughs> you are busy, <laughs> that's, a, that's for sure. Well, l- listen, man, thanks for uh, taking some time, and uh, good luck to the album and the tour and the hundred bands you have going on. <laughs> and uh, uh, hopefully, you. we'll uh, see you on the road, or uh, you know, speak again soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks to Mike for the interview. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theparkreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Park Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. <laughs>